Support for WERU comes from Easterly Wine of Belfast, Maine, an independent enterprise that supports free speech, democracy, and independent media. It's 4 o'clock and you are tuned to WERU-FM 89.9 Blue Hill, 99.9 Bangor and streaming online at WERU.org. Main Currents with your host John Greenman is up next. This is Maine Currents for June 13th, 2017. Hi, I'm John Greenman, and I'll be hosting this week's program with Amy Brown at the controls. On the menu today, watershed protection, clean water, ways to ensure clean water, what you can do to protect the waterways near you, and what kind of help is out there for you to turn to. You'll be hearing about something called a 319 grant and how it can help solve your water problems. Joining me in the studio are... John Whedon, Watershed Steward for the Ellsworth Water District, a director of the Great Pond Mountain Conservation Trust and chair of the Dedham Planning Board. Chip Stubbs has a summer home on Alamusic Lake in Orland and is a past president of the Alamusic Lake Association and a member of Friends of Silver Lake. Chip is a volunteer liaison for the Hancock Soil and Water Conservation District for questions about private roads and driveways. And here in the studio also is Zach Steele, Executive Director of the Hancock County Soil and Water Conservation District. Zach has a Master of Science degree from the University of New Hampshire's Department of Natural Resources and the Environment. And joining us on the phone is Art Grindle. Art is in, with the Kennebec County Soil and Water Conservation District, and he's the go-to person for gravel road maintenance, to, uh, technical assistance, among other areas. And he's worked on projects in Hancock County as well as Hancock, as Kennebec County. So in a little while, we'll open the phone lines to take your questions or comments about watershed protection, what's working, what needs improvement. But first, let's, let's get to some, uh, well, some definitions. What, what, what are we talking about when we talk about clean water? Art, let's start with you. What, what do you mean by clean water when you say clean water? Well, in our instance... Um Coming out of central Maine, Kennebec County, um, what we really mean by that is um, our lakes. Um, that's the focus of what we do at the Kennebec Conservation District. Um, the best way to keep lakes clean from um, runoff is at the grassroots level. Homeowners and camp associations, road associations, um, the things that they're doing on their own properties um, is, is really what makes a difference. Um, it, it's, it's, a, it's a bottom-up approach rather than a top-down approach. Okay, so from the ground up, anybody want to take a different stand on that? Go Hi, ahead, John. Hi, John here. Uh, it's not a different stand, but it echoes what Art said. It is literally the grassroots level, literally the roots of the grass. Um, when you're lucky enough to have land and water and they stay separate, that is that is the goal, and it gives you cleaner water. What's clean water in Kennebec County might be a little bit different in Hancock County because the lakes are different, but the goal is always the same. Everyone wants clean water, whether you fish or drink it. Okay, so what don't we want to have in our watershed, Zach? Why don't you try this one? Hi, this is Zach here, and... When we're talking about keeping water clean in Maine's lakes, uh, we're really concerned with too much phosphorus uh, getting into the lake system. If you think about a human body or a, a, an, an individual, you have a certain amount 
of food you eat every day to provide you energy and um, phosphorus is a nutrient in a lake system and provides food to other organisms and uh, if you go overboard and eat too much food you cannot become unhealthy and similarly uh, if lakes end up with too much phosphorus in their system uh, it overfeeds algae which can lead to uh, blooms that decrease oxygen and water clarity in in the lake system is, is that's this, something we don't want and this is pretty much statewide or may, maybe everywhere is this a problem everywhere it's a potential problem in freshwater systems phosphorus is the limiting factor of uh, growth for algae in the water column and is of concern throughout the the country there are certain systems where there's enough room in in the system that uh, it can absorb a certain amount of nutrients before it becomes too much so there's a bit of a, a buffering capacity or before you overload the system uh, where the natural system can absorb and assimilate those nutrients and u- utilize them. It only becomes a problem when you cross a threshold uh, and sort of open this Pandora's box where water quality declines. You, you all of a sudden see the algae bloom that you didn't know was coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's something that surprises folks, but it's been getting there over time. And Chip, maybe you can describe on your own situation, where, where is some of the problem, uh, where does the problem originate in, for instance, your land on, on Alamosic Lake? If there is a runoff problem, where does it come from? Well, I think part of mine might be my driveway. Uh-huh. And I've got a, it's all hill up behind me. Yeah. So I have spring runoff constantly there. Uh, I worked with Megan, Zach's predecessor, and put in a 15-inch culvert to prevent erosion there uh-huh. and cleverly uh, rocked up my ditch line that kept eroding out until Jack, Zach told me I should have put uh, landscaping cloth down first. But, so it's good to contact these people from Hancock County Water and Soil to, to get your information, and they'll tell you the right way to do it. They'll come down and look at it. Uh, they won't give you the devil. They yeah. won't blame you. They won't get mad at you. They'll work with you. Well, contacting the Soil and Water District, is uh, Conservation District, is, is something we want to talk about more. Art, I'm just wondering in terms of, uh, of uh, the source of extra uh, phosphorus, um, Chip was talking about his driveway. Is that, is that the way it works? Rain hits the driveway dirt and, and phosphorus leaks out? Um, yeah, basically, that is what happens, yeah. If you take a typical gravel road um, that's adjacent to a lake or, or, or a gravel driveway, you're going to have rainwater that runs across this gravel surface, and it picks up the fines that are there, uh, the clay that kind of binds the soil together. Um, every particle that it's carrying with it is carrying phosphorus. So if that runoff from the road or the driveway goes straight into the lake, um, it's, carrying a, it's carrying some phosphorus with it. So you think about the scale of a watershed, uh, and you've got uh, who knows how many miles of gravel road and driveways, and you get a big old gully washer. Um, a lot of times you'll see uh, chocolate milk coming out of a culvert um, uh-huh. somewhere. 
Well, imagine all the phosphorus that's in that chocolate milk. Um, that's it. So it comes, it comes back to proper maintenance of those surfaces um, to make the water go where you want it to go. Because um, uh, there, are, there are ways to treat this runoff before it hits the lake. Um, but, it, you know, it needs to be done right. So that's why you ought to, everyone ought to contact your um, Soil and Water Conservation District if you think you have this sort of a problem. If you see any kind of a plume in front of your camp or um, that you think is coming from your driveway, definitely contact us. And we'll, we can take a look and uh, tell you that maybe um, you don't need to panic. Mm. Uh, maybe it's not as bad as you think. Uh, so um, but we can tell you ways to, to treat that. Now, is, is this something that can be done um, by taking a sample and sending it to somebody, or would you need to have an on-site uh, look at it? Um, yeah, it's always best to have an on-site look at it, um, particularly when it's raining. But that's, that's, that's pretty hard to schedule that. Right. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, um, you know, we're perfectly willing to come out to, to any site and take a look at, at the concerns that are there. John, in, in terms of uh, other sources, and I want to talk about point and non-point because I, I know that we're going to talk about that, but let's, let's talk about sources that we, we're talking about a driveway. How about a lawn? Is, is a lawn potentially a source for excessive? Right. Anything that, uh, anything that isn't what the glaciers left us 10,000 years ago is potentially a source. If you go up north fishing, you'll notice that there are lakes surrounded by a forest. They have no driveways, they have no lawns, they have no houses. They have no people, and they, they don't have any algae. And yeah. we don't think that's a coincidence, just a coincidence. What is anything is a potential source, and, and a lawn is a good example of what you might think is pretty darn natural. But it's only natural to the extent that we don't add something to it, i.e. a fertilizer. Luckily, as of years ago, most fertilizers for lawns have been formulated without phosphorus, the limiting nutrient the Zach mentioned. And this is a wonderful thing, but there's still all the, uh, the, uh, the associated nutrients that don't need to be on your lawn as well because Mother Nature will still give you a pretty darn good lawn without it. But by and large, grass doesn't buffer like Mother Nature does. If you look at a forested watershed or the land around a lake, you'll notice that there's very little runoff that is colored with silt. And the more lawn that you have, the more runoff that you'll have that is fines. And we use the phrase lakes like less lawn because as a rule, a well-diversified buffer is better for your lake than a lawn. Uh-huh. So we're talking about uh, buffers, and, and we'll get uh, – I've got a little audio piece from a, a gathering last Saturday that, in which buffers were put onto Alamusic Lake, and we'll, we'll hear about that in, in just a minute. But, but, Zach, I'm wondering about point and non-point source because we're – in this instance, we're talking about non-point source pollution, correct? That is correct. So the definitions of point source and non-point source can go back to the creation of the Clean Water Act uh, who, that was written by Senator uh, Edmund Muskie of Maine uh, back in 1972 to address pollution sources that were mostly of industrial nature at the time. So you could think of the end of the pipe and point knew that exact point or location and the cause of the pollution to the the lake or river and in 1987 the clean water act was revised and within that was addressed 
the need to both look at municipal water systems from a stormwater and sewage point of view and uh, non-point sources, which were everything else, essentially. Right. So uh, polluted runoff, mostly stormwater that comes off the landscape, is a simpler way to think about what non-point source pollution is. That's sort of the technical term. Okay. So when, we're, when we talk about... Um, the availability of funding we're talking about now the section 319 and and art i know you have to go but i i wonder if you could give us a quick introduction to uh, section 319 in your mind and how what it's what it's there for and how does it work um well yeah from my experience with it uh through the years has been at the um the grassroots uh technical advisor level let's say um what's uh, basically what that means is um, Joe Public out there, camp owner, is eligible to use some of this federal grant money, but um, he needs um, a technical advisor to to make sure um, the project he has in mind um, is going to have the desired effect. Um, so that's basically where you know where the soil and water conservation district comes in. Um, a lot of times, the conservation district is the entity that receives the grant money. Uh, they can apply to the state of Maine uh, DEP um, for a 319 grant for a certain watershed. Um, and, and then they're able to work with uh, landowners in that watershed um, on, 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 on small projects um, that, that are going to eliminate non-point source runoff. Um, so that's, that's, it, it's, it's money from the federal government um, ultimately, it's a grassroots level project. And so, okay, so it, it comes through the state and, and uh, from the federal government, but goes to the districts uh, finally and then is dispersed. Okay. Art, I'm going to let you go because I know you. Uh, we said we'd be brief with you, but can you give us a contact? Any, any, if anybody has any questions about Kennebec uh, Soil sure. and Water Conservation District, how do they reach you? Yeah, so the main number for the office is um, 207-622-7847. The Conservation District is at Extension 3. Um, or you can go to the Kennebec District website, um, kcsw.org. Um, and, yeah, we're, we're happy to, um, to lend any assistance we can where protecting our lakes is concerned. Well, thank you so much for being with us. Art Grindle from the Kennebec County Soil and Water Conservation District. Appreciate your being here. All right. Thank you. Take care. So, Chip, maybe you can give us a little bit of a, an idea of, of what goes into getting a 319, Section 319 grant going for Alamusic Lake Watershed. Just, uh, to, I mean, how, how was your experience? What was your experience in the Because you've been involved from the very beginning. Well, we... Uh, Megan, and I can't remember, pronounce her last name, so uh, it contacted me quite a few years ago. Uh-huh. And when I was president of the Lake Association, and at that time I brought it to a meeting, and it was the second meeting of the year, so it had to proceed into the following year. So it took a number of years before we finally got the movement on the grant. And at that point there, we... Uh, got volunteers to walk the lake and 
uh, they got permission from the landowners to be there. And if the landowner didn't want them there, then that's all they had to say is we don't want them there. And that's so, that, you raise a, a question in my mind because I think a lot of people think this is enforcement going on here. People coming onto my land, I don't want people on my land. You stay away from me. I don't want the state here. There, is there that that feeling? There was some of that that mentality out there. Of, I don't want the government here. Huh. You know, but it's a no blame, no shame program, and the goal is is to find these point uh, non-point sources of pollution or phosphorus phosphorus going into the lake Mm -hmm. and find ways to correct them and we were went through that process and uh, there was enough out there that we were able to apply for this grant and we received it and various up to i think it's up to 20 landowners can get a small portion of funding uh I believe it's what Zach's going to Zach, Zach's going to jump in. Yeah. <laughs> sure. So, depending on the grant, uh, we are able to determine the numbers based on the watershed survey that Chip was talking about. So, we use the watershed survey to estimate the size and number of problems that are occurring in a watershed, and then use that to develop the proposal to Maine DEP when we get our funding. So, it varies by lake, and so it's on a case-by-case basis, uh, each lake has its own separate grant that's written to address the pollution problems in that watershed. Um, The common theme running through there is uh, soil erosion and phosphorus um, from lawns and gravel roads pretty predominantly. Uh, I also wanted to mention that soil and water conservation districts were created as a program of the state government uh, we're an independent state agency we're not actually part of the county government in the way you may think and we focus on voluntary conservation efforts Um, we go back to the dust bowl era uh, with soil conservation and working with the natural resource conservation service and it's really important to understand that the approach that the soil and water conservation districts use is voluntary stewardship and a watershed scale approach to and in order to plan and protect for clean water and healthy soils, not only for today, but for future generations. So you want to get buy-in from the people. You want to have it volunteer. It's got to be up front in terms of people being convinced that this is for their own good. This is for their future progeny whatever their families yes we we do not participate in the enforcement side of regulations we try to encourage best practices and provide technical assistance to educate individuals about how they can practice behaviors that will improve soil health and water quality okay john you've been involved in at least two i think um project you mentioned branch lake and i think another one i can't remember um what does a typical project in your mind look like from beginning to end a a typical project is a lot with zach and also chip described it is often driveways Uh it is often roads Uh because those are two things that humans have built in a watershed that that weren't there before so it's typically something like that it is an altered landscape than what was there and the the goal of the program is obviously is to 
modify that so that it is more like what nature intended to basically armor the landscape so that water is filtered through the soil, which is the best water filter on earth, mm-hmm. before it gets into the lake. And so the the, uh, the lakes that I've been involved with have been both the Branch Lake, because that is the drinking water source for the city of Ellsworth, and that has gone through several 319 program grant programs over the years because it's been so successful. And there's there's huge buy-in from everyone around the lake because they realize it is so useful because everyone wants to achieve the same goal. They want clean water. Right. And they love to have their land still sitting beneath their house. So it's a win-win situation. There are no losers when it comes to protecting the land and keeping it from getting in the water. And this is the same on Phillips Lake in Dedham. We have done the same thing. We have a very steep watershed. And uh, Mother Nature, if you disturb it, it will it will very quickly turn your turn your watershed into lakeshore property. And we don't always want that. Yeah. We want to keep the land out of the lake. And it's been very successful. We've got it's a multi multi year approach for most three nineteen programs to both for both the initial watershed survey to see what the problem was, the one that Chip mentioned, and also the remediation that might take a couple of years to program into. Because it takes, it can take many forms. It can be homeowners. Mm-hmm. It can be contractors doing the work for the homeowners. So it's a it's a multi multi varied approach. But almost every lake utilizes the three nineteen program in similar ways. Now there isn't just so we're clear for everybody to understand. There isn't complete funding for a project. I mean, it's a share shared deal, right, between the homeowner or the association and the district. Yeah, there's a couple of factors. So, first of all, not all lakes are eligible for a 319 grant. It has to be on a state list of threatened or impaired water bodies. And once a lake is listed on that due to um, a water quality monitoring uh Well, there's a word there. Somewhere. Yes. <laughs> Due to, so water quality monitoring, uh, I'm trying not to use too complicated words. Right, so right. Um, water clarity is often the indicator that is the what raises people's alarm when mm. we see declines in, in water clarity from algae growth increasing. Uh, that tends to trigger. Get your a, attention a, pretty quick. Get folks' attention that a problem's coming. Mm. And that is when lakes tend to be listed and the other variables that are monitored in the lake volunteer lake monitoring programs that we have across the state are um, sort of parallel along that decline in water clarity. Uh, The impaired water list um, then sort of initiates a process with the Soil and Water Conservation District that we reach out to a property owner's and see if they're interested in doing a watershed survey. That's the first step in the process where we visit all the properties mm-hmm. around the lake and identify potential problems. Uh, then a watershed-based plan is written. That specific plan is then used to actually write the final 319 grant where money becomes available. Um, and then when once we have a 319 grant in hand, yeah, there's usually a 50-50 or 40-60 cost share match where uh-huh. and however that match isn't always dollars out of your pocket it can be your volunteer time on a project in your yard to to meet that match requirement so some types of match are your time and labor 
or materials that maybe you supply that you already had on site. You have a front loader, for instance, or something like that yes. you can use. Um, we were talking, uh, I think this is probably a good time to get to our, our audio piece because we were talking about buffers, and um, I think it'd be interesting to, to hear um, how this project uh, went to fruition last Saturday at uh, the uh, Craig Pond uh, National Fish Hatchery on Alamusic Lake. Um, it, it was uh, it involved 30, 30 volunteers, and they gathered on the shores of Alamusic Lake in Orland for some hands-on experience about buffers. Some of the sounds heard last Saturday at the Federal Fish Hatchery on Alamusic Lake in Orland. This was a buffer planting project, a project partially funded by the Alamusic Lake Watershed Restoration Grant, a 319 project. The volunteers were guided by members of the Hancock Soil and Water Conservation District, the Craigbrook National Fish Hatchery, and the Maine Forest Service, with help from members of the Maine Conservation Corps. Here's project coordinator Robin Gropp, an AmeriCorps Maine Conservation Corps volunteer working for a year with the Hancock County Soil and Water Conservation District. Sort of our, our two big projects for the day are planting, as you can see all these native plants here, in several several areas along the shoreline. And, and then we're also going to be installing several sets of steps in the excavated spots back here. And the goal with both both those projects, I'm sorry, I should have mentioned this earlier. I mentioned the filtration of pollutants as it comes down to the water, but we're also doing our best to help stabilize the bank. This this whole area is public access and um, provides a great service for the community, but also faces a lot of issues with the shoreline disappearing. Um, so both the roots of the plants and the hard structure of the steps is meant to stabilize the shore and help preserve it for future use. Sandy Walchuk from the Maine Forest Service took charge of getting the buffer plants in place. So actually we'll probably start uh, throwing some, some stuff in along the shore in that buffer. Um, we'll grab some of the different plants. Like, you know, If you don't know what they are, we can talk about what they are. And then um, it's going to be hard digging in there. So we're going to try to put them certain places. We're probably going to have to move them around. We want to try to avoid roots. There's probably going to be big rocks in there. Sometimes you might just not be able to put it there. So all that stuff is pretty flexible where most of it goes. I asked Chris Domina, hatchery manager at the Craigbrook National Fish Hatchery, if this project could be considered a demonstration project for others. It's certainly a good showcase for folks um, on the lake or in our watershed, especially the Alamusic Lake watershed, um, to see an example of what they can apply for for the grant to do the same type of activities we're doing today on their properties. How difficult is it to get something like this going? How much how much coordination and uh, organization does it take? Oh, lots of it. Um, our partners with the, especially with USDA, the Hancock County Soil and Water Conservation District. Uh, did the designs for the steps and a lot of the prep work we we assisted with some of our volunteer help here at the facility and our government employees but um the all the partners that have pitched in through the whole process has been awesome uh, i think he'll be here now are some voices of volunteers where do you come from where, what's your name where do you come from my name's Erin Young, and I live in Belfast. And what brought you here? Our family has a camp on the other side of the lake. And so you're interested in lake water quality? Yes. 
My name is Kimberly Clark, and I'm from Winterport, Maine. And what brought you here? Um, what brought me here is that we, as a group of parents, decided that our boys needed to do some community service and just to spend some time doing things together, but for the greater sense. And is this being done now, do you think? Yes. It's successful? Yes. Do you think they'll ever want to do something like this again? Yes. Uh, volunteerism in the high school and make it a mandatory part of their curriculum or an expectation for the students, especially where today we're so computer, cell phones, you know, everything else is electronic to really instill something that will get our students back out into the community. I think is very important at a community, not necessarily as a solo student, but as a group of students, a group of boys like today that we have um, to come together to explore, to work together and to experience new things. I'm my name's Amanda Jordan. I'm actually from Phoenix, Arizona. What brings you here? I'm uh, currently serving as an environmental steward through Maine Conservation Corps, which is an AmeriCorps program. I know in past experiences, um, I've worked on these types of things back home in Arizona, and they usually come together in the same way and, and um, get a lot of great stuff done in a short amount of time. Hi, my name's Kathy Herr, and I right now currently live in Augusta, Maine, and I'm the volunteer and outreach coordinator for Maine Conservation Corps. And are you originally from Maine? I'm actually originally from New Jersey. What do you think of this kind of project? I think this is a great way for people to get outdoors and kind of give back to their communities while, you know, making sure they're benefiting, you know, the natural resources that we all use on a daily basis. Basically, my job is to kind of recruit volunteers for very similar projects just like this. And I think the key component is to kind of, you know, make sure your project is known to the masses. So do like a broad, you know, advertising and try to engage as many people as possible. And I think this project did a great job. You know, Robin organized it very well. He told everyone exactly where they needed to be, what was required of them to bring, you know, what he was going to provide. And I think that's very important when planning projects. Well, that's um, that's a quick look at a, at a, a, a project that took, um, what, about four hours on Saturday, something like that? And, and actually, you stayed longer and, and finished it up after we left, right? Yeah, we had a little cleanup, but it was a great day, a beautiful day last Saturday. We had over 30 volunteers. We planted dozens of native plants all, along the shoreline and installed two sets of steps in areas that were prone to erosion due to heavy foot traffic mm. at the public beach outside of Craigbrook National Fish, ha- Fish Hatchery. I do want to thank the Alamusic Lake Steering Committee uh, that worked with me to develop this project, including Great Pond Mountain Conservation Trust, the Alamusic Lake Association, Friends of Craigbrook Hatchery, Maine Conservation Corps, as well as Craigbrook National Fish Hatchery itself and, and the staff there right. for making this happen. And and that's perhaps typical. John, maybe you can um, talk to this in, in terms of other lakes. Is it typical to have a bunch of different associations get together for something like this? Essentially, yes. The more the merrier as a rule. I know the same situation happened about a decade ago on Phillips Lake. A large water course was rip-wrapped, i.e. it was armored, to keep Mother Nature from creating a, a cavern there, a chasm there. And it was a it was a group effort. And more group efforts are the job just just gets done more easily, more quickly, and it gives a sense of ownership by the community. And you tend to maintain 
what's there that's been created by the community if you have a sense of ownership. Mm -hmm. So, yes, the Phillips Lake Association as well as the Branch Pond Association and the Green Lake Association have all done very similar work in similar ways. And coordination with uh, the Ellsworth Water Department, we work very closely with the Branch Pond Association and anyone else who wishes to do this kind of preventive, protective work because it benefits everyone. And we want to give contact information towards the end of the program. So have your pencils and papers ready for any information that would help you get your problem solved wherever you are. Chip, we were talking about <coughs> groups and associations, but you got involved. You, you mentioned getting involved with Meg, Megan um, on your own. You didn't do this through... No, that was through the Lake Association. Oh, the Association. Okay, uh, but you've been involved in in correcting some of the things that are uh, that, that are on your own property that didn't involve uh, funding, right? Right. Right. So, so, how did that work? Did you get some advice from somebody, or they, uh, Megan and her alter ego, which is now Robin Crop, right, uh, came down and they looked at my issues uh -huh. and gave me advice on what to do and, you know, were, showed me where to put various uh, runoff spots off my road because, uh -huh. you know, when you build a camp road, you inevitably sink the ground, even if you put gravel on it, and sort of build a unnatural sleuthway. Uh -huh. and, and, and the water wants to stay in it, so you've got to work to get it out. I don't know that many people realize that. I mean, you put a road through the woods, you don't think about what's underneath. You're, you're saying you're blocking natural flow. Right. Huh. You, can, you can change the natural flow, I and mean, if you do, it comes and, and it wants to come into your road, uh, then it doesn't want to go out because it likes its path to go. <laughs> Chip bring, is bringing up a very common problem that we see on the gravel roads around lakes. Uh, they're often built initially just uh, uh, for forestry practices mm -hmm. to get timber in and out uh, and, and trucks. And then maybe over time, a few camps were put in near the water. And then later on, you know, more camps were put in uh, and without any actual road building, with bringing in uh, additional soils, the, the soil that's in place tends to compact over time and right. actually become the lowest point and become the ditch. Yeah. And often these roads don't have ditches. So we, a lot of advice that we give is how to manage water and get it off the road surface, elevate the road surface, provide a ditch, and turn those ditches out into the woods before they get so much water that they can er cause erosion problems and carry silt and sediment into a waterway. Right, and, and the woods themselves become the buffer. They yes, are, absolutely. They, They're the best sponge. We want them to soak up the rain whenever they can. Well, I know there's thousands and thousands of people out there who want to talk to you, so I'm going to give out some phone numbers. If you'd like to get in touch with the folks here in the studio, please don't hesitate to give us a call. We'll take your calls, your questions and comments. Just call 469-0500 or for any, anywhere else in the world, 207-469-0500. Or you can, call us, uh, you can call us free at 1-866-625-9378. That's 1-866-625-9378. We'll just ask for your first name and where you're calling from, and you can jump on board here. So... Folks here in the studio, for for those who cannot get involved in three nineteen section three nineteen grant funding, 
Are there other sources of help? John, you want to try this? Sure. The 319 program through the EPA is a pretty well-organized program. It's, it is uh, delegated through the main DEP, Department of Environmental Protection, and then goes out to the various counties and other entities that help administer it. But there are some other local options that people have uh, for some erosion issues that may impact especially drinking water quality. Uh, the city of Ellsworth itself has a program called the EnviroGrant Program. And it addresses and has addressed many of these same issues uh-huh. all throughout this area of Hancock County, not just on Branch Lake, but others nearby as well. If you have any issues such as we've talked about today, but you're not, your lake is not part of a 319 program, please give a call to the uh, Ellsworth uh, Planning Department, and I've got a number here at the end of the show for you, and you can get an application for the EnviroGrant program. We have local money. It's a match program, similar to the 319 program, but it's for the same concepts if you aren't part of an actual 319 uh, lake system. Uh Uh-huh. Zach, do you have another program? There are a few other informational programs. Uh, One is called LakeSmart, and it's a similar set of resources that are available to residents that along lakes that haven't been listed as threatened or endangered. Uh, so it's a preventative maintenance type approach to ensuring your lake doesn't make it on that list. The, it, you may sound like, oh, I wish my lake were on that list, but really it's a bad thing to get on the right, list. You don't want that. You want to, you don't want to go, you don't want to be on that list. And it's a success for us whenever we can get one of these lakes off a list. Um, so there's, you can do very similar practices and become a member of the Lake Smart program and, and provide, get access to information um, through that program. There's also another marketing program about landscaping called and Maine that's been branded as yardscaping about um, pr- designing healthier places to live and play. And there's some great resources, uh, and we'll provide some contact information for that towards the end of the show. Well, that sounds great. And I'm I'm curious, uh, I know we talked a little bit about um, how long it, it takes for these things to happen, to, to go from fruition to ending, but is there... Is there one system that's more efficient than, than the other? I mean, is 319 really the best way to go if you can? Or, or is there... The best way to go is to not alter your landscape to begin with. Mother Nature is a pretty darn good architect. <laughs> but if you have a camp and you want to keep it in a more natural state, there are lots of people who will give you helpful advice for that. One of them is the State Department of Environmental Protection. They have some great guidelines online. We have a whole list here. We can go at the end of the program of different websites and phone numbers for contact information there. Keeping your buffer intact around your camp is the greatest thing to give you clean water in front of your camp. And, and let's let's be clear about what exactly a buffer is. It's it's not the lawn going right down to the lake. It's what? It's a mixture of plants similar to the ones that Mother Nature had before the camp was built. If you look at all natural ponds in Maine that haven't been built on, you'll see a multi-story variety. And that's called a mixed buffer. You have large story trees that break most of the water and capture about 30% of it before it even gets to the ground. Mm -hmm. And then you have a mid-story level, and then you have small ground, low ground cover under that. 
where where um where should we go from here? Because I've I've got some other questions, but I don't want to take it too far beyond what what we're talking about. Is there is there something in in the three nineteen grant process, Zach, that you can point towards um, in terms of getting people started if they have a if they think they might they might be well, let's say they they've got a problem with their lake because they've seen some algae blooms. I mean, sure. I think the place to start is organizing. So whether it's a road forming a road association and formalizing that or formalizing a lake association and holding regular meetings and getting people together and communicating with them uh, that's really the essential piece Uh, i rely on the local lake associations and road associations chip has been working with us on the alamusic lake project because he knows all the roads around the lake and knows many of the people who maintain those roads so uh, that's a really critical piece is having local contacts and knowing who to go to and who to talk with and who those sort of local leaders are. Okay, we've got a person on the phone. Chris from Orland, do you have a question or comment for us? Yes, um, I'm calling from just across Route 1 on uh, Toddy Bond. And in 2016, with the working with Zach and, and Megan and the uh, Conservation District, uh, the 319 grant, and lots of uh, energetic and enthusiastic stakeholders here on Toddy Pond. We completed um, the grant portion of our 319 grant, um, and uh, it, it was it was very successful. Um, I don't have the exact figures. Zach, Zach might know, but I think it's on the order of um, 50, 50 different sites, um, at which. Um, a variety of, of uh, best management practices were installed, um, and every, everything from the bold to the beautiful, um, um, including not only planting on the uh, on the shoreline um, and uh, and rain gardens and and, and such. But uh, I know that there are people who uh, consider a well maintained gravel road to be a beautiful thing, um, but uh, but there were also that kind of project and culverts and turnouts and, and so on. And uh, the one thing I wanted to mention is that, um, uh, is that we're, we're fortunate on Toddy Pond to have very good water quality. Uh, we weren't experiencing algae blooms. Um, we've also, as, at least as far as we know, been free of uh, invasive plants. Um, so the activities of the Lake Association, which have involved not only the watershed uh, protection project, but also um, courtesy boat inspections and uh, an invasive plant con- uh, patrol, the front line against uh, uh, no foil and other invasives, um, um, are an opportunity for us. We, Because we have good water quality, we're not going to see overnight uh, change as a result of, of, of doing these things, but um, but it's very gratifying, nonetheless, um, to, to be able to do something other than um, contacting our political leaders and writing checks to to various organizations doing good work on the on the lakes. Those things are very important. But to be able to do something where we can actually roll up our sleeves and uh, and uh, and and do things that are going to ensure the the uh, the the this beautiful place that we love for our children and grandchildren. You're really talking about acting proactively. You're talking about coming from a position of, of education. You know this is a potential. So you you and Toddy Pond decided you weren't going to go 
uh, weren't going to let any negatives happen. Uh, we hope so. Yeah. Um, uh, we're doing we're doing all we can, um, and uh, as I say, it's a it's a it's a positive effort. Uh, we're not we're 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 fortunate, um, and we we hope to uh, to to keep fortune on our side. And Chip, I know that uh, Alamusic is is coordinating is getting some help from Toddy, as I understand it. There's going to be a some kind of a, a visit. Yes, we're going to have a paddle visit. A paddle visit. Oh, okay. And I think we're we are going to go out to Toddy and take a ride around the lake or part of the lake uh-huh. and meet with some people and and see some of the activities that have been done. Yeah. Well, anything else, Chris? Well, we we started a little bit earlier. Um, it was a, I, I think from from beginning to end, and it, it it's not the end. By the way, we're going to continue. It, it's just that we came to the end uh, in, to, in 2016 of the of the grant itself. But we have plans to continue what we started. Uh, but I think that the entire process uh, began in 2012, and began with a with a with a watershed survey in which many volunteers were involved. And then we proceeded to uh, to planning um, uh, planning an educational program, um, and uh, and and then finally moved to the implementation phase. So, uh, as as Chip and Alamusic are are are, are coming along coming along the same path, um, I hope we can help. Thank you so much, Chip. I really appreciate it, Chris. Take care. Okay. So we've got a we've got a, a very successful toddy pond project and a and a, a tentative in the process Alamusic project, which is partially done now with the with the uh, the project that Craig Craig Brook. Um, I'm I'm wondering um, if we don't get any phone calls, uh, that's that's fine. There, there's so so many people who are interested in the information, and there are probably a lot of people waiting to hear f- about specific ways of contacting people. So let's maybe we should use the time now to give out information, and then we'll get a few more questions in towards the end. So Zach, how about projects for well the 319 with uh, Hancock County? Well, the Soil and Water Conservation District has. Uh, three ongoing grants right now so we're in the final year and wrapping up the grant on phillips lake and that's phase two so we've already done a two-year grant and we weren't able to get all the work done and we went back and applied for a second grant Uh, so that's also a possibility to keep in mind and then last year the alamusic lake project uh, really got kicked off and the planning stages and the buffer planting event we heard that story about was really our kickoff of on-the-ground projects. And also this spring, we started working out with Great Pond Association and Great Pond in Franklin. And we're just starting to get some site visits under our belt there and planning for projects uh, that will begin this year and continue for into 2018 as well. And if anybody wants to get more information directly from you, how would they do that? They can visit the Soil and Water Conservation District website at www.hancockcountyswcd.org. Okay, and phone number? 207-667-8663. Okay. John, how about your contacts? Well, one of them. Local contacts would be the Ellsworth Planning Department. Uh, 
who administers the EnviroGrant program that the city of Ellsworth offers for folks in this local area in Hancock County. Uh, the phone number there is 207-669-6608. And we can always, you can always check the city of Ellsworth website as well, and that is Ellsworth, M-A-I-N-E, dot G-O-V. And as well as the local contact, we do have a we do have a friend in the DEP, the Department of Environmental Protection, and I would encourage everyone to use whatever search search desire that you would like. I use Google. Google the main DEP, and you will find a wealth of information starting on their watershed management page. They have a good search feature, and you will find all of the information that we've been discussing here, and most importantly, some individual best management. Uh, procedures, they're called BMPs, and we, we heard reference to it earlier. They actually outline the types of work that can be done to help the types of issues that everyone has mentioned here today. So you, you pick an issue. Is, is there like a diction, you know, an index you can pick an issue and they'll give exactly you Exactly. There uh, is. There is. There's even a manual for those who want inches of reading material. <laughs> it's a wonderful thing. It's a good resource. And it's your government at work. You should take advantage of it if you wish because we all want clean water. And this is, this is one way to get it. So to get to the, the web page, it'd just be a, a Google for main DEP. Exactly. Yeah. Maine DP will get you will get you there, or the state of Maine, mm-hmm. and you can scroll down from there. There, there are plenty of pages to, to wade through. Water, the watershed management page is one thing you'll want to search for, and when you find it, you'll be very happy that you did. And any other contacts that you want to get out before? Yes, I'd like to. I'd like to introduce everyone to a contact in their neighborhood. That is something you don't think of that often, but every code enforcement officer ah. in every town has wealth of information about the best management practices because they're in charge of the shoreline protection in all of your towns. And they could be a good friend if you go in and say, I would like to do something proactively in a good way. Could you tell me how to do this? They will either know or be able to help you because it's their job. Yeah. Yeah. And this is your town. Every town has a code enforcement officer. Check your local uh, town office or call your local town clerk and they can put you in touch with a local expert. They, they would be very, very helpful. And sure. Chip, any contacts you'd like people to know? Well, I'm going to be contacting a lot of people <laughs> in the next two weeks to a month, and I will give them my contact information. They can reach me at an answering machine phone at 469-3300, uh, or they can call my cell at 299-5291. And that does not have an answering machine. Uh-huh. Because, so you got to be there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one thing I will say about the DEP that I have talked to in the past, uh, they will work with you. You know, and, and I've had them tell me they'll work with you, but they want you to be honest with them. Mm-hmm. How, how do you – how does that happen? How do you, <laughs> they need proof, right? Is that the thing? Well, if you're trying to do something on your property right, and – you need a waiver or a little bit of help, a little bend in something. They will work with you hmm. to try to improve it. Okay. Upcoming events. Yeah, so I want to give a shout out to the Maine Lake Society. And they, have, they can be found at mainelakesociety.org. Uh, they're holding the annual Maine Lakes Conference on June 24th at the University of Maine Orno. Uh, 
on the same day, Orland River Day is happening here locally on the 24th, and the Soil and Water Conservation District, Alamusic Lake Association, and Great Pond Mountain Conservation Trust will all have tables there. Uh, the Soil and Water Conservation District will have two interactive watershed displays where you can actually play with some water and, and get wet. And then finally, uh, I wanted to mention coming up in July, there's the Invasive Plant Patrol 101. So when Chris from Toddy Pond was calling, he mentioned the Volunteer Lake Monitoring Program that does education with the courtesy boat inspections and the invasive plant patrols. And so if you were possibly interested in that, we have a local training from 1 to 6 p.m. at the Moore Community Center right here on State Street in Ellsworth. And uh, you can contact the Soil and Water Conservation District for more information. Uh, and that's being coordinated in partnership with the Green Lake Association. Uh-huh. There is, speaking of the Volunteer Lake Monitoring Program, uh, Maine VLMP, uh, in the interest of complete disclosure, I'm one of the uh, uh, certified uh, inspectors of lake quality, and uh, my wife and I regularly check Alamusic Lake, and, and it's, um, I'm pleased to tell you that it's a clean lake, but there are some problems, and, and uh, you know we're dealing with, with those problems uh, in a year-by-year fashion hoping to try to get them solved there is a workshop speaking of upcoming events on friday june 30th the volunteer lake monitoring program is is uh is sponsoring a workshop engaging citizen scientists to evaluate the potential for water quality decline in maine lakes it's a social science physical science collaboration for lake stewardship and it's going to be held in auburn and if you want more information on this Friday, June 30th uh, workshop, it's from 10 a.m. to 3.15, uh, you can get on the uh, Lake Vo- um, uh, Volunteer Lake Monitoring Program website, which is Maine, the state of Maine, M-A-I-N-E, V-L-M-P dot O-R-G. That's, um, that's the best way to reach them. Uh, their phone number is 783 783- seven seven three three but that sounds like a pretty good workshop for those who are concerned about degradation of water quality in the state and especially in lakes john any events that you know of those are the primary events that we encourage people to attend as well of course the the ellsworth water department is also a participant in the vlmp monitoring program we we monitor for oxygen and phosphorus in branch lake as well as as volunteer in phillips lake as well and it's the greatest way to understand the connection between the forest to the faucet uh-huh. because it is has direct impact. The more you see the lake, the more you realize the impacts that the land has. So I recommend everyone to be interested in their lake, get involved in the VLMP. You can Google their website as well. It's a wonderful website. And it makes you realize how you can be your own local expert of your local area. You know your lakeshore better than anyone else because you see it every day if you live around the lake. It really doesn't take very much training either. I can attest to that. It's uh, And it's fascinating. You go out every two weeks to check out the health of your lake and send in the information to the DEP. And then you get reports back from them every now and then about how your lake is doing. And it all gets put into a database. It's a fascinating process. Something else to that. Yeah, I want to thank the volunteers, the Volunteer Lake Monitoring Program. They're really sort of the, the eyes out in the community. Without them, we... We wouldn't know which lakes are, are at most risk and need to have uh, more 
in-depth research done uh, to establish what, what's happening with the water quality in those lakes. And I just wanted to mention that clean water is really essential and good for business here in Maine. Um, it's estimated that clean water supports over 3,000 jobs and generates an excess of $30 million in income for Maine residents. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a, clean water is pro-business, and we all want clean water. I think probably pretty true for everybody. And before we close, I want to throw something out because it's going to probably um, amount to a, a head knocker. Um, somebody suggested that we are having more downpours now and more runoff as a result and perhaps more of a problem for us to take care of in terms of 319 grant types of projects because of climate change. I hadn't thought of that before, but is that are you hearing that among uh, the people that you talk to that climate change really is showing its ugly head through more runoff and more problems with lakes and streams? John here. Um, yes, call it what you will. We're seeing a different climate, whether we like to or not. I think everyone shares anecdotes from their childhood and how the weather has changed and how it is so much warmer now, and so some of the stream how some of the storms are so much more intensive now than in the past. Even the engineering studies that were done to give us our sizing for our culverts and water passages systems are, I guess the best word to describe it is outdated. And they're not, no, they're not representing the, uh, the size of the runoff events that we've had the last five years. Last chance to say, jump in on anything else that you'd like to say because we've got to say goodbye. Well, I want to thank you all. Thank you very much for this week's main Currents guests. John Whedon from the Ellsworth Water District, Chip Stubbs from the Lonusic Lake Association, Zach Steele from the Hancock County Soil and Water Conservation District, and Art Grindle, who was on earlier, from the Kennebec County Soil and Water Conservation District. And thanks to Amy Brown for engineering today. I'm John Greenman. Have a good evening. Support for WERU comes from